All right. Welcome to the Rojas Report. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas. And some of you may be surprised to see the guy right next to me. Oh, that way. John Greenwald Jr., because it's been a while since I've had him on the show. And it has. In, <laughs> in the period of time that you've been gone, uh, you know, people have seen us publicly disagree, to put it lightly, online. Mm -hmm. <laughs> little disagreements minor minor disagreements here and there yeah just a few things so um but yeah we've worked that out i think i've shared that with my audiences some of the stuff of course i was on your show just a couple weeks ago so and things keep moving at an extremely fast pace and i'm really happy to have you back because um you know Prior to to the stars, you definitely had uh, the best information when it came to the government and UFOs and, and official documentation. Things have changed, but you're still in there with the hits, you know, getting out some great stuff. And uh, you know, I know you've worked totally closely with Tim McMillan uh, and others, who of course I've interviewed, and uh, we've all been all over this New York Times article uh, even before it came out and you know, speculating about what might be coming out. So I guess my first question is, uh, just to start us off on this conversation is, you know, one of the big misinterpretations out there, uh, even Joe Rogan uses, the Pentagon says, you know, that they've recovered vehicles from other worlds. And that's not accurate at all. I mean, the way the story reads is, Eric Davis is saying that others believe right. that could be the case, but it's Davis who's making that claim. That's right. Yeah. There's a lot of misconception about this. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me, by the way, I am glad all that, uh, you know, joking aside, the, the that stuff uh, got smoothed over. It's good to be back with you. Uh, but yes, there's a lot of misconceptions about this New York times article and the claims that are, are being made. And it's, it's frustrating just because it has to be put, into context because it does play into the bigger picture about not only the crash retrievals, but the idea of a Pentagon UFO study. And I know I get harped on a lot. I'm sure we'll get into it. Uh, but whether or not that that was truly intended and desired by the United States government and the United States intelligence community or desired by a government contractor, which, which inserted that uh, desire into the program. So again, that's why I get kind of really attached to the meaning behind all of this and the true intent, because as you just pointed out, things are so mis, uh, misconstrued and easily misconstrued like this. You know, there's one guy making a claim and all of a sudden Pentagon's talking about off-world craft and vehicles. And, and sadly, that's not exactly what was printed. Mm hmm. So you and let's do get into that just so mm -hmm. we can make sure we're, we're uh, coming from the same direction, or at least understanding our perspectives. Mm -hmm. So you're still questioning whether or not uh, the intelligence community wanted a, a UAP portion to OSAP slash ATIP. I guess we'll use it that way. I'm always going to question it until I see official documentation that comes out. Right. And I know that that's not popular to say and people hate me for it. I, I approach this a couple different ways as we, as well, I'm not sure if your viewers know, but uh, just to put it out there, I mean, Luis Elizondo, I was able to, to kind of track down uh, a way to contact him directly and not go through PR agents to give my side of why I was asking certain questions. And this goes back uh, maybe a year and a half or so ago, year ago. And, um, and long story short, I felt that I don't speak for him by, by any means. 
Um, but what I would say, I hope anyway, is that he got to see what I was trying to question, what I was trying to see and find with evidence. And so even though he may not agree and likely doesn't uh, with a lot of the conclusions that I come from, I just come from it from an official standpoint. And, and what we have, again, from that official level, we don't have the UFO documents yet. We just don't, you know, um, and, and we know that the Pentagon is flip-flopping. I fully acknowledge that. And, and they have done that for decades about this topic. Uh, and they're doing it with this one. They, 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 they did study UFOs. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Uh, and, and, you know, half the time I forget what their current stance is. But, you know, with, with them right now, they say, no, we didn't deal with UFOs during ATIP. I'm not basing my skepticism on that by any means. I'm just waiting for the 80% of this unclassified information that Senator Harry Reid referenced. Where is that? You know, I mean, if, if 80% of it is unclassified, then it's a matter of time for people that are very skeptical like myself to be convinced, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to question it until that 80% of that information comes out. But that's where I'm at. I, it's not personal against anybody making the claim. Uh, it's not that I want to be a big, bad, meanie debunker. Uh, I just look for that official word. And again, if Senator Reid didn't say 80% was unclassified, then I would say that there is a big possibility that this stuff would remain shielded and away from our our, our prying eyes of, through the Freedom of Information Act. But if 80% mm -hmm. is unclassified, they have their job cut out for them to try and withhold that. And uh, a very uh, quick example are those three videos that once the Navy went on the record with me and said that they were always unclassified, I did a video about this, about me tracking them down through FOIA. And I had said long before they officially released them, they're now in a pickle. Because if you say something is unclassified, it's very hard to exempt it uh, through the Freedom of Information Act and the nine exemptions. And so when they officially released it, I think they were trying to be proactive. That said, going back to the unclassified thing, I'm waiting for that information to come out. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And let's get some background. And I can already see, I think we, we're going to need at least one other interview after this to get into yeah, all of this no background problem. and I'm to kind of catch up on some of this stuff where we've had our independent investigations. So mm -hmm. um, getting back, first of all, for the audience is not aware because there are a lot of new people getting into this. OSAP, Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Appli uh, Application Program, which was the first version. This is what got the $20 million. Um, and although the New York Times left that out the, in their original December 2017 article about uh, ATIP, which is the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which came out of OSAP, depending on who you listen to, the version that I'm usually touting is what I got from Luis Elizondo, who I believe to be the most expert opinion in the matter, since he was there, one of those decision makers. Uh, he was put in charge of ATIP, which was focused on military UFO cases, whereas OSAP was all kinds of weird paranormal stuff, really. Um, and so uh, Lou had told me, and, and Leslie had said, you know, Lou only told us about ATIP. Um, and Lou said, well, I didn't have much involvement with OSAP, and that's why I only talked to the New York Times about what I knew, which was my ATIP program regarding UFOs. So that's kind of, uh, the, of course, you know, we were talking about this earlier. There's a lot of other stories out there from people in the know who have mm -hmm. ideas about the, but we, we could get into that later. But I do want to talk about then uh, what you just mentioned uh, as far as 
Vince, as far as, because you have a really good point. Allegedly, you know, uh, as you say, a tip was, and Lewis told, and Harry Reid has told us, and and other people involved with a tip has said UAPs was a big part of what we do. However, we don't have any real documents as far as uh, the documents we have are the dirt that you mentioned. These are the scientific papers that were requested of scientists from SAP, uh, but none of them directly address UFOs. There's one about the Drake equation. There's some about, you know, technologies, but not UAPs in particular. Uh, we've had some leaks from documents such as a summary of the Nimitz situation that Lou says was written and George Knapp who leaked it, that it was written by the government for the government, but not necessarily it was an A-tip. Nobody's it being part of it, that this was an A-tip document so we still don't have any atip documents uh, which is which is a good point we do have the air force and i think you released this wasn't it roger glassell who first got it and you released the article about the air force examining whether there were improprieties in the release of those navy videos um and they did in that document at least state that it was their understanding atip was a uap research program um, and at least Lou Elizondo didn't make any mistakes releasing those videos, but that uh, apparently the Navy did. Yeah, so you're referencing the Air Force Office of Special Investigation document, and credit Correct. to uh, Tim McMillan for for first getting that and, and publishing mm -hmm. it. And their conclusion was if they knew that those videos were going to be put to the media, uh, they would not have given the approval that they did. They were under the understanding that it was going to be United States government use only. And that was their, their conclusion uh, based on their investigation. It, it was said by the Pentagon that Mr. Elizondo didn't do anything wrong. Um, so, you know, it, 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 again, this wasn't a criminal accusation other than are we getting the full story? And that actually plays into what we're really ultimately talking about here a couple of years after with the New York Times and, and their recent uh, publication and, or excuse me, uh, their recent article and some of the stuff that they had said that was later corrected within the, the first day or so on the claims that they were making. So it's, it's hard to follow all of this mm -hmm. uh, just simply because there's so much going on. Little point matters. And I don't think a lot of people get this point um, in that, you know, that uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigation report, it also did claim that the videos were unclassified uh, or not classified, I should say. And what's interesting about this, though, is that we did tell Lou to go ahead and use them. And just imagine, however, like you just said, the Air Force said, you know, it probably would not have gotten released, uh, okayed, if they would have known it went to the press. But imagine how, what an impact those have had on this story. Mm -hmm. If those videos, if the proper, you know, procedures had been used, um, then, and those videos were not released, uh, it would be, you know, things would be much different. This story would be much different without those videos. So uh, it's interesting they did get released and uh, certainly mm -hmm. fortunate for Lou and Chris Mellon who had been making, using these videos to entice the media really and to make their point that, you know, there's something really going on here. Really the videos, the most part they played because alone they don't show a whole lot. It's kind of enticing the public and the media. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't backtrack on the designation uh, of the unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, when mm -hmm. I had contacted the Navy, 
I'll be honest with you, this was September of 2019. It was obviously huge news. I had zero idea that they were going to say, yeah, we consider them unidentified aerial phenomena. That was one of the most shocking things for me pursuing this because I thought they had an out. I thought that they said we can neither confirm nor deny or it's classified or something like that. And that would pave the way for you know a skeptical point of view that they were drones or, or, or some kind of uh, UAV technology heavily classified that they couldn't talk about. For them to go on the record and go, we have no idea what it is. It's unidentified. That was that was pretty pretty surprising. To go to what you said about the, you know, imagine where we would be if we didn't didn't have the videos. You're absolutely right. And and keep in mind because a lot of people brand me as the skeptic. I am a firm believer there is an active UFO cover up. I am a firm believer that it is not just classified technology, and I'm a firm believer that it's not seagulls. And so I think that what we can uh, deduce from the official evidence, there's a massive cover-up. I've worked 23, 24 years of my life to prove that and feel I comfortably have. Now insert you know, a tip and me skeptical about some things about it, I'm immediately branded like the, you know, the most evil skeptic out there. And that's not what it's about. It's just for me, it's about getting the story right. It's about, it's about respecting the importance of this story and the impact as a whole that it has to make sure that that minutia and the little points are solid because you do have the skeptics that really are the meanies out there. The ones that really do target people like you, like me, uh, like Luis Elizondo, like Christopher Mellon, like anybody who comes out and is in support of this topic. Those are the ones that you have to make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's and make sure the story is solid. Because if the New York Times comes along, or and I don't want to just pick on them, but anybody publishes something, then later takes things back, then you can pick it apart and then find other discrepancies or things that aren't as reliable as you would want them to be. That doesn't help. And, and that's why I get passionate about it, just simply because we have to make sure everything is right. It, it, it does matter. This is one of the biggest topics out there that I feel deserves not only scientific scrutiny, but world attention. And I think that we need to make sure that it's done right. Right. And, and totally agreed. And, and, you know, what's interesting now, of course, is some people are are frustrated that you and I are talking again or working together. And, and some Grr. of those people are, are, are mad because they feel I'm taking all of a sudden, I'm taking a skeptical look at, uh, you know, the potential of crash retrievals um, for many reasons that you just mentioned. Um, but, you know, what people are overlooking, at least from my perspective, is that there's a huge difference between the December 2017 article and this latest article with the New York Times or even the Wilson documents like you and I have talked about, which are these alleged, you know, documents that allege this conversation between Davis and, and, and an admiral where he admits that he tried to get into, you know, crash retrieval projects and was denied uh, he denies this happens. Davis denies or is making no comment about these, but apparently he told a lot of people this was the case in the past. Um, and people thought that this was going to be in the New York Times article. But this is the difference in that the first article, we had a lot of firsthand witnesses. We had Reed, we had, you know, Fravor, we had uh, the, the pilot who chased the Tic Tac, we had Lou Elizondo, um, probably others, Chris Mellon might have been in there, but a lot of firsthand witnesses to all of this stuff going down. Whereas with the Wilson documents, we have 
you know, the firsthand witnesses are either denying or not commenting. So that's a huge difference. Not only that, uh, you know, and that's what's concerning is that a lot of people were saying that, you know, this conversation that happened would be kind of at the crux of this New York Times article, the first one that came out a few days ago. Um, and it wasn't, not surprisingly to you nor I, because we were, you know, people were upset with us. A realist? Saying, it's not going to be in there. It's just not going to be in there. But I'm surprised the New York Times went so far as it did, because essentially it says uh, that Eric, that Reed believes this. Um, they've had to correct that. And Harry Reid yeah. has come out very strongly that, no, I never said I believe that. I think it's a possibility, uh, but very strong terminology against it. Uh, but all, And then, you know, Elizondo, without using a direct quote, allegedly is convinced of this, along with other officials. And the only person we have quotes from are Eric Davis. And like we kind of had talked about before with just even the Wilson notes, is that Eric Davis, uh, which is interesting, they left this out of the New York Times article, because even I, as a fan of To The Stars, and I, I really do like, and I go on record saying that, and I really do like Davis and his work, and I don't think he's a liar, but there's a lot of pertinent information about Davis's past and beliefs that should have been in that article, I feel. I would have put it in an article if I wrote it, which is that, you know, Davis believes he's had these paranormal experiences. Um, he, uh, through others, has been, you know, uh, touting kind of these beliefs in these MJ-12 documents, which really seem to uh, be complete hoaxes. And there's tons of evidence against them that there are hoaxes, let alone some of the research that I've done. So it's really shaky ground. And I'm surprised the New York Times would even let them use Davis as their kind of primary witness here. And they're kind of open themselves because if someone were to write an expose, such as those skeptical skeptics, the real meanies, like you put it, mm -hmm. they could write a pretty strong article, you know, that would yeah. uh, leave people scratching their heads with, wait a second, if it all is, comes back to this Davis guy, that's kind of a concern. That was a bombshell claim to make, right? And and for me, the biggest thing that stuck out, the day this was published, I had tweeted it out and noted that the bombshell part was buried like 18 paragraphs into this New York Times article. If there was any substantiating evidence for off-world vehicles, we're not talking about Russian or Chinese when we're referencing off-world, at least not in, in my mind anyway, that's your lead. That is your headline. And the fact that they said Senator Harry Reid believed the same thing, but didn't offer a quote, I don't want it to come off that I'm picking on Leslie Kane and, and Ralph Blumenthal here, but no matter who wrote it, anybody, you, me, or anyone to make a claim like that about a person like that and not back it up with a quote needs to be called out. And, and that needs to be shown as something that we don't need in this in this field, right? The only thing that still stands at this point then is Dr. Eric Davis. And this is where you scratch your head and go, why him? Because you have Dr. Hal Putoff, who was the head of the OSAP portion of this. No matter how you think of the hierarchy of ATIP versus OSAP, doesn't matter. We, we, we believe anyway, uh, based on his, his testimony, that Dr. Putoff was the head of this. 
why wouldn't he go on the record and say, look, this is, this is how it is. And there's off world vehicles and so on. And for me, that's a, just a really bizarre thing, but then to bury it the way that they did, I think is, is highly questionable. The curveball, though, was when they offered the Times Insider, which was, well, when we say UFOs, that doesn't necessarily mean alien. But you just laid this bombshell off-world vehicle thing that many media outlets picked up on, right? You can't misinterpret off-world vehicles in my mind. Like, what else does that mean? And and that's not rhetorical. Right. Is there some other way to reference a drone or uas or or whatever uh from a foreign adversary as off-world vehicle no i looked there's it's not in the dod terminology it's not anywhere referenced online that we can cross-reference so what is it that they would mean and for them to to then do the times insider piece and say but ufos doesn't necessarily mean alien i (laughs) you know i couldn't help but laugh and go wait a minute that that's not what you guys said though you didn't say that you were picking up wreckage of UFOs and Davis was backing it up. You guys put in black and white off-world vehicles, and you are backing your witness stating that, you know, your primary source. So what does that mean? And that's what I feel is unfair because there's nothing to back that up. And and I feel that I'm not going to say he's lying. I'm not going to say anything about that. But where is the evidence to back up any of that? And, and it's just non-existent UFO wreckage. One thing that I've been exploring on, on my channel to kind of give some of this context, UFO wreckage goes back decades off world vehicles. That's a new ball game. And, and for you to drop, not you, but for the New York times to drop that bomb and then kind of backtrack a little bit and go bad UFOs don't mean aliens that to me, I, I don't want to call it a cop out. I don't want to call it backtracking. I have no idea what to call it because we just don't need that. We need information, explanation, and and a named source. And then we can go from there. Yeah, I, I'm confused by it too. So what you're referencing is, you know, there's a new article that came out yesterday where I think, you know, Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Kane, who wrote this other New York Times article, are kind of justifying themselves uh, in their article. And they're saying, we're always asked uh, if we believe in UFOs. And they're like, it's not about belief, it's about data which, you know, that point I agree with. However, I think you're totally right. First of all, two things, exactly what you just said. Second of all, they, in that article, say, uh, kind of back up their claims again. They say there are, uh, you know, essentially officials that have worked with the UAP task force that believe we do have crashed retrieval. They don't really uh, programs, but they don't specify who, they don't specify a number of people. You know, is this Lou and Davis, just two people? How many people are there? Mm-hmm. How put off, I think, may believe this. Uh, so it might be three people. You know, uh, they don't They don't really list how many people there are. But to your point, and this is a real problem I see too with all of this, and that's a bit sloppy. I mean, and I think, you know, because I'm someone who writes about this stuff a lot, and I think of this all the time. You have to explain to your audience very clearly what you mean by these terms that you're using mm-hmm. that are 
interpreted differently by people in the public. And UFOs typically means alien spacecraft to the public. Leslie right. Kane knows this, you know, when she wrote her December 2017 article, a, a lot of the news media were saying, so you're saying there's aliens. No, I'm saying there's UFOs, there's unidentified flying objects. Mm -hmm. So UFOs, you have to define that and make sure people understand you don't mean aliens going forward. Off-world vehicle, that means alien spacecraft. If you yeah. don't mean it to mean alien spacecraft, you have to specify very clearly what you mean by it then, because that implies alien spacecraft. So, and that's obviously how people are interpreting it that out in the public, because that's what the news is running with. That's what everybody's running with, this alien spacecraft thing. So then when I read that New York Times article, I liked it, the second one, the, the one from yesterday, because I like the point that we have to gather data, find out what these unidentified mm -hmm. things are. But then I was thinking about it in perspective of the first article where you're kind of implying there are alien spacecraft. And that is completely confusing. I mean, it's not. And everybody is confused. I talked to a couple of friends just this morning, having a talk with people who are into this stuff quite a bit. And they're like, I'm completely confused what the heck was in that New York Times article. Who's saying what? Mm -hmm. And I had to explain it to them all. And it's, it's extremely confusing. So I, I don't even, there's no clear message at all, I don't think. Um, and whatever message that is, I'm not sure what message they were trying to get out there. Just maybe that UFOs are a legit topic and there could be crash retrievals. Um, I don't really get it. And if they are trying to say there's crash retrievals, why is nobody calling them on that? They have provided exactly like you said, no evidence. Yeah, that that if this wasn't the New York Times and this was right. you know, uh, kind of a I don't, Huffington I don't wanna... Post even, which Leslie writes for a bit. But yeah, I don't want to name names, but I mean, another media outlet that maybe didn't have quite the same stature, standing, big name, so on and so forth. The, 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 the New York Times masthead is huge. I was surprised that they ran this. I really am. And, and when you look at that Times Insider article that we talked about, that was published a couple of days later and juxtapose that with the original article. To me, if you erase the author bylines, I would bet money that they were written by two different authors or two different teams of authors. And yet they weren't, they were written by the same. And that's, what's confusing to me is that there is yes. no, um, there's no continuity between the two. And, 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 and again, that, that lack of evidence is really, I, I think concerning uh, when it, when it comes to this, I, I really do. And there's one thing I want to point out that was not dealt with at all in the article. And for me, this is the logical common sense way to look at this that if the United States government and, and the United States military truly has received, even through a government contractor, it doesn't matter, if they truly have received pieces of wreckage of an off-world vehicle, I would 100% bet money that that would be a highly classified uh, situation. The programs would be classified, talk about it would be classified, uh, any mention of it would be classified. Yes, you can, because um, people fire this at me all the time. You can't classify a topic. Yes, you can. Uh, people that worked at Lockheed during, um, you know, Senior Trend, which was uh, the program name for the F-117, you couldn't go around talking about it, even if you didn't give out the blueprints and schematics for it. You're right, because the topic itself was classified. So for me to to accept that the U.S. government military has acknowledged that they hold within either a government contractor or 
within the Pentagon or Area 51 or wherever, if they acknowledge that, it would be heavily classified. And I don't believe anybody even loosely involved with programs on any level that has a clearance or had a clearance would be able to talk about it at all. I, I don't buy it because you can right. prove a long history of heavily classified uh, information when it comes to UFOs, UAPs, and wreckage. And, and when I made that historical reference, that all goes into Project Moondust. That's a whole different show in itself. I don't know if you want to get into that. But this idea of getting wreckage from crashed space vehicles uh, is something that is documented. So that's nothing new. And again, heavily classified because of the nature of what they could get. Soviet, obviously back in the day, or Russian today, Chinese, Iranian, uh, North Korean, whatever that technology may be, or something way far beyond. Fill in the blank with whatever you want, but it would be highly classified. And for Dr. Davis to go to the New York Times and go, we got off-world vehicles. I've seen the wreckage. I've held the wreckage. Sorry, that doesn't fly with me. You have to be able to prove a declassification authority that allowed him to talk about something that used to be secret, but isn't secret anymore. Because let's face it, there's no way that alien tech or off-world vehicles would be unclassified from the get-go. I just don't buy that at all. Well, and you know, we further, we have insight. So what is the evidence that Davis could have used to brief people? Well, you know, in my podcast about a year ago, Davis really spilled everything about all the UFO crash retrieval. And I questioned it about how do you know this? Where do you get this information? And the information he got, allegedly, he says, was from insiders who were sharing this information. In at least one case, I think he referenced being in a skiff a highly secretive kind of area where you're not supposed to be sharing, you know, classified information with each other. He even said that in the show. So, which speaks to your point. So he's getting leaks from people who are sharing information they shouldn't in classified programs. And that's where he's got his information. So first of all, there's a couple problems with that. One, they shouldn't have been sharing that information and you shouldn't be sharing that people are sharing this information because we got some major problems with people you know, loose lips going on uh -huh. too. Um, we can't trace that back. We can't research that and try to prove any of that or find these people unless they come out themselves uh, as whistleblowers, you know, around this sort of thing. So there's, there's still a major lack of evidence there. And what else, what other evidence do we have? Well, maybe this document, this MJ 12 S N I E document that, you know, uh, it, that, that claims that are, programs such as this, but this document is so uh, obviously hoaxed, it, it's almost laughable that anyone would take it serious and that they're, you know, Paul Dean, someone, you know, you and I follow, and I've, I've had him on the show, he's listed a, a whole host of problems. Tim mm -hmm. McMillan has listed a host of problems many people have with these documents and, and their validity. So if this is the sort of evidence Eric Davis has, and he did brief these guys. That doesn't mean they believed him or it was convincing or he was able to prove his point. That just means he shared information. And if this is the information he shared, it's really not that compelling, especially for the New York Times to come out and suggest that, you know, we have these these off-world vehicles. It, it, I hope that this is not the case, but you could absolutely be right where he's using that as the basis. And over the years has convinced himself that they're legitimate. 
And there's a lot of speculation. I tried to get uh, Dr. Hal put off to go on the record about the crash retrieval document that uh, that he was referencing. And, uh, and I, I couldn't get him to go on the record. But regardless, people think that these MJ-12 documents and whatever uh, are the ones that are the supporting evidence for crash retrievals and, and so on and so forth. It's quite possible Dr. Eric Davis truly believes that all of that stuff is real, regardless of the source of said documents, admitting later on everything was a hoax. That don't bother me, you know, don't bother me with the facts. My mind is made up kind of situation. I hope that that's not the case, but it very well could be. And, and you could be absolutely right that that's what he's using. And he's getting these meetings with, you know, congressional staffers or, or, or so on and saying, Hey, look, that, that this is, this is real. While I was contracted through bass, we looked at, uh, you know, arts parts and uh, are convinced that it's something worthwhile looking at, but in reality, it's really kind of nothing. And it wasn't, a fully authenticated story and background that he was giving. That's one of the other gripes that I have with the article is that I don't believe that there was any quote unquote briefing that ever took place for either senatorial committee that was referenced. I think that maybe he got a meeting. I think maybe he sat down and talked to, you know, whomever, uh, the same as a lobbyist would, the same as you and I, if we made a phone call and scored, you know, a, a, a um, sit down meeting with a senator or, or, or a staffer or whomever, uh, more likely a staffer, that, that that really wouldn't surprise me that if that happened and he was able to share that information. But in the course of researching that claim, Dr. Davis doesn't talk to me like he does you. He doesn't talk to me at all. Uh, but uh, I have tried to reach out to him. But I did reach out to people that did talk to him, one of which was Tim McMillan. And, and credit to him, where uh, and I am able to share this, uh, where I'm not saying any background information. I use this in my video because uh, Dr. Davis had gave on-the-record comments to Tim McMillan while he was working on various stories. And according to Eric Davis, as said to Tim McMillan, he did not have a security clearance after OSAP which means on paper in 2012, when all of that went away, 24 months thereafter, he would have lost his security clearance for OSAP. And so what that means is, is that he would not have been doing classified briefings in March of 2020 or October of 2019 uh, as printed by the New York Times. That's a huge mm -hmm. thing. Why wouldn't any, and, and again, those are on the record comments given to a real journalist, not me, not being a meanie skeptic, but to a real journalist where Dr. Davis said, yeah, my security clearance lapsed. Is he going to retract that? Uh, is, or, or is the New York Times going to retract that it was a classified briefing? Now, some people may argue in your audience, my audience, uh, both. Well, who cares? That's all semantics. Who cares if it's classified or not? This is off-world vehicle technology. Well, in my mind, that actually makes a huge difference on whether or not Dr. Davis was truly in a classified setting briefing uh, Senate staffers or, or senators themselves about off-world vehicles versus going in and sitting down, scoring a meeting for 15 minutes and saying, I believe, uh, you know, we've, we've got off-world vehicles based on this document here with MJ-12 on it. So there's a huge difference there and it goes to credibility and the heart of the story. Yeah. And I feel that we're just not getting the full story. But could there be classified briefings where there, or I guess he said he was doing the briefing. I mean, when you're having a classified, let's say, investigation, you can probably invite witnesses who are, are not, you know, don't have a security clearance. I'm, I'm imagining it seems like that happens. 
Uh, yeah, and, and I imagine that it does. But to to call that a a classified briefing, taking classified technology, uh, classified information, and briefing again that staffer or senator whomever, I don't believe it works that way. Um, I believe then if if you are not presently cleared, let's say at a top secret level or a secret level, but were once in the past, that doesn't mean you can sit down in a secret or top secret level classified briefing or classified setting and hear the information or even convey the information. So mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, uh, again, getting nitpicky, but it's very important because I don't think, again, a classified setting would take place with somebody who is not presently cleared to sit down and start having that discussion. Mm -hmm. Another problem with this New York Times article is there's been, there have been several corrections, uh, official I guess, documented corrections. If you go to the story, you can see, I think, two or three now at the bottom. But there's also been a couple corrections that were not documented in their correction section there. Yeah. One of them being what you just mentioned, which is also very important, is that the first iteration of the article claimed that Eric Davis briefed uh, members of the Senate selecting intelligence committee, where, uh, in fact, now it's been changed to that he briefed staffers right. of members. Yeah, and that's a huge difference too. Some people might see that as semantics and only one single word change. That is a huge difference on who he is briefing. To make sure I don't fumble this up, I brought up the quote, as originally, uh, as originally published, it said, Mr. Davis said he also gave classified briefings on retrievals of unexplained objects to staff members of the Senate Armed Services Committee on October 21, 2019, and to members of the Senate Intelligence Committee two days later. It was that last line that was changed and unacknowledged by the New York Times that they changed it to, and to staff members of the Senate Intelligence Committee two days later. Now, again, why does that matter? Well, now we're going from, let's say, like a Senator Marco Rubio or to, uh, or from a, um, you know, Senator Mark Warner to a lower level staffer. Here's my argument, though because this is where I find that it is very important that we know that months prior to these alleged classified briefings, uh, senators, Mark Warner, uh, and even the president of the United States, uh, Donald Trump was briefed on UAPs. You would think in a briefing like that, obviously classified settings, we know that in a classified settings, if there was wreckage an actual physical, proof of what they are talking about connecting UAPs to off-world technology. I don't believe someone like Senator Warner or even President Trump would just go, huh, all right, well, that's interesting. Let's ponder on that and see if anything else comes along. Uh, and maybe hopefully one day someone like Eric Davis will come along and give them more information months later. No, in my opinion, uh, obviously this is just opinion, but they would jump on that. They go, wait a minute. So you're saying that there is physical proof that UAPs are connected to off-world technology that no one on this planet is is making right now. Anybody in the uh, in the intelligence community, whether it be you know on the Senate Select Committee uh, for Intelligence or in the in the intelligence community as a whole, would just go. Let's just wait. Let's figure out what this may mean at a later date. No, they're going to be on it. They're going to try and utilize it. They're going to try and weaponize it. They're going to try and use it in battle. Uh, and they're going to try and use it, as, uh, use it as an advantage. 
We have decades and decades of history that proves just that. When advanced technology comes our way uh, that we've captured from the Soviet Union uh, during the Cold War or from China or from wherever, we, we back engineer that bad boy and we try and figure it out. And so that's where I, I, I'm very skeptical about this line of information, simply because we have an established um, set of meetings and briefings all the way up to the president of the United States. And we, we can deduce that that actually took place. I don't buy that they would sit on that and not pursue anything uh, until Dr. Eric Davis came along. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess to kind of wrap up the Davis part, because uh, we've kind of, I think, given the, plenty mm-hmm. of uh, examples on how it's that part's not as big of a deal as people think. There is some precedent along the lines of uh, someone going and briefing the military on UFOs and aliens. Um, and Paul Benowitz did this. At, I've got those FOIA documents that this guy who was kind of a UFO paranormal researcher guy, who's also a uh, a, a a defense contractor providing like equipment to uh, Kirtland Air Force Base where he lived by. He was seeing lights and things he thought was UFOs and aliens. Uh, he was then visited by some AFOSI guys, special investigation, including the infamous Richard Doty. Uh, they looked at it and said, nah, according to the government documents I have, you know, no, nah, we don't really think much of this. And he also went in and briefed the guys. And allegedly, you know, um, this is in the documents, but I've heard from at least one person who was there um, who said nobody took it seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, And the documents show nothing came of it. In fact, they say we told them once again, we don't really see any evidence for this sort of thing or any action we can take right now. Um, That everybody kind of rolled their eyes and walked out. They didn't take it seriously at all. So just because Davis, even no matter who he briefed, uh, the doesn't mean that they were convinced of anything by whatever it was that he told him. Uh, I don't know if there's any other incidents. And, and I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, we don't, we don't know what the reception was. Um, I'd love to know the context too. Cause again, I, I, I know I've pulled a little bit of um, my, what may seem to some as minor details, like the inserting of staff members versus members and so on and so forth. But again, that's why this is important because was it the Rubio and the Warner level uh, Senate people that were getting or senators that were getting the briefing? Or again, was it the lower level uh, staffers? I, I go back to what I said that I, I, I truly believe that if there was anything to those UAP briefings that they gave the senators uh, months prior, that someone like Dr. Davis, again, if a classified briefing truly did take place, it would be in a formalized classified briefing in front of the committee not any staffer. So we don't know what what the end result. Going to your um, uh, comparison to Benowitz, yeah, we, we don't know if the staffer just kind of went, is this guy nuts? And then that's all it was, you know, and that was the end. Uh, we, we don't, we really, we really truly don't know what the answer is. And why, to just sum up my end of it, why I feel it's important is although you have pointed out my, um, skepticism on some claims made by to the stars Academy and so on and so forth. I 100% give credit to Christopher Mellon for uh, publishing what he did uh, last year, earlier last year to have like a a mock-up congressional language to put in a bill and how that is very, very similar 
to uh, the uh, SSCI report and the language that was inserted. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. He obviously played a major role into getting that in there and deserves all the credit. So again, despite my skepticism, I want to plug that for him and, and that team, whomever was involved, because I don't know exactly, I can kind of guess. Uh, but regardless, we know that, that Christopher Mellon published that. So that's the one I can cite. He deserves that credit. And to kind of disrespect this topic in the sense that we have now these wild embellished claims, claims, some of which are retracted and corrected, others that are standing alone with zero evidence whatsoever. I don't speak for Mr. Mellon, but what I would say is if that information and unsubstantiated claim starts reaching Rubio and Warner, and that's what the New York Times is profiling, and I'm crossing my fingers they don't go down the Wilson Davis notes route, but if they did and that starts crossing their desk, will they take this as seriously as we want them to? And my personal answer would be no. And that's why after decades of doing this on a personal level, I do get passionate because that's where the minutia matters because it matters to those senators if they're going to put their name on this. I've reached out to Rubio's office. I am a nobody and I know that, but I was hoping that I could get some kind of comment. They won't respond. Looks like they didn't even respond to New York Times because they had to pull quotes from a CBS, I think it was CBS affiliate station. I've reached out to Warner's office and all the PR people. I can't get responses. But the point is, is that you have to treat this respectfully and keep it factual because that speculation and the unsubstantiated rumors will do nothing but hurt the image of this, but also stop Senator Rubio Warner et al. from uh, getting connected to it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And this has been my fear the whole time. And I told people for the New York Times article, if it's got some of what you guys think is in there and want in there, it's not going to be good. Um, it'll probably the New York Times article will be fairly toothless. And that could be more do more harm than good. And I personally feel that's what happened. I don't see an upside. I don't see when people say, well, let's move the ball forward. What ball? I don't see any balls yeah. being moved forward on this except for throwing in kind of confusion into a topic that we don't need it. I agree. I, you know, I put it this way. We were in the position of, of a tenable argument that was being won that UFOs are legit and an important topic. Now moving it to an untenable position that there's been crashed alien spacecraft um, yeah. without any evidence to that. Now, one of the comments that is interesting that they kind of, uh, made a bigger deal about in the second article and mentioned in the first article was that Lou Elizondo and others are convinced that UFO crash programs have happened. That I think is the most significant statement, although it's problematic in that they're convinced without providing what convinced them, who's convinced, why they're convinced, anything, no evidence or anything like that. And even using Chris Mellon, invoking his own terminology, I agree with this too. Uh, a lot of people get frustrated with this, but I do agree with that adage, you know, extraordinary claims ex require extraordinary evidence. And in this case, we just have claims that people are convinced of that, which is pretty extraordinary, but zero evidence to support it. Mm -hmm. Not even that, anybody going on the record. They don't even have a direct quote from Lou in there. I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I didn't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to just make it seem like I'm harping on the authors of that article, but you're absolutely right. Uh, as, as you very well know, you've done a lot of articles in your day. If you, if you uh, summarize somebody's beliefs, that's fine. You back that sucker up with a quote. 
You know, I mean, you can't say Senator Harry Reid knows that there's crashes of off-world vehicles without that next line saying, as Reid said, and then a quote. You just, I mean, I, I don't consider myself a journalist, and even I know that, where you just have to back it up. You've got to back up those claims. And that's concerning to me. And and so for me, I fall back to it's it's not what you want to believe. It's what you can prove. And what you can prove is very little when it comes to off-world vehicles, but you can prove a historical background with wreckage and debris. That is provable. Now, whether or not it's 100% ex uh, explainable uh, with that historical context of being space debris, a Russian satellite, a Chinese failure, whatever it might be, that, that's a different conversation. But at least historically, you can prove that part of it. Jumping to its off-world vehicles, I'm glad that people are convinced. I really am. But those with clearances, either active or former, I do not believe that if they had the proof through classified information or intel that they hold in their brain, because they gathered that from having a clearance, that they would be able to talk about it. In opinion, absolutely. They can espouse about whatever they want. That doesn't matter. But if they hold classified intel in their head, again, from a past clearance, and, and that confirms alien tech, off-world technology, vehicles, whatever, that would remain highly classified. And if it isn't, if Mr. Elizondo, if Dr. Davis, if Dr. Putoff, Mr. Mellon, whomever has a declassification authority that they've spoken with that says alien tech or off-world technology is no longer a classified uh, topic, great. That means the knowledge of that is not classified. That means you can come out with it and say the Department of Defense sanctioned us talking about it. It, it goes to the, to the conversation about the videos. And I know you and I differ a little bit here. But when, when that DD Form 1910 was stamped, approved for open publication, not public release, but open publication, it was determined by what was on there. And again, I know we disagree here, but, but bear with me. So that, mm -hmm. that, type of, that type of scenario has to take place for an approval for either unclassified slash for official use only information like those videos or top secret information that a review authority or a declassification authority like Dopser would say, yep, you guys can go ahead and do this. That's your authority. That's your reference. And that's what I mean, that if any of these guys with, again, former, former clearances has this knowledge stemming from a classified intel briefing or document or piece of arts parts or whatever it may be, and they're now able to talk about it, great. Let's get it out in the open. If it's just opinion and conjecture, that doesn't help any of us. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And we don't know which it is because that wasn't addressed in the story. If it's just opinion right. or something that they feel they can prove, which would be the question. And I asked Elizondo, that's what I asked him that directly. Do you believe this or can you prove this? And he said, I think I can prove it, but I don't want to talk about this anymore, essentially. Um, so that was the end of it. So he feels he can prove. But at that point, the conversation was materials, not crashes which is a huge difference. So like you said, there's a, there's a history of materials. Um, we've got the materials in hand. There's been uh, science, you know, investigation on these materials uh, and it's been debated whether they're anomalous or not, but it's much different than a crash. Although some of these materials allegedly come from crashes, 
this information for the most part has been uh, claimed by anonymous sources. So like Art's Parch, which you've referenced, which Art Bell received in the mail from a source who said, this is from Roswell, the Roswell crash. We don't know that. This is an anonymous person who mm -hmm. sent in these materials. But people debate back and forth whether or not they're anomalous or not. Um, that's much different than a crashed vehicle. For instance, the argument I've made is that with materials, we could debate that all day. Okay, it's anomalous, but we don't know where it comes from, even if it was somehow created or partially created off-world, and we can prove that through isotopes. We still don't know who or how it was built. Whereas if you have a part of a vehicle, that's something different. That's something identified as a vehicle, defendified allegedly as something off-world, so there's no question and, and there's no debate as to where it comes from. Going back to what you said about uh, Luis Elizondo and, and you asking him about that, I, I want to profile that and spotlight to his credit that that is what you would expect on a classified nature. Now, does he truly believe what he told you? Probably. That, that means that no classification or secrecy oath uh, would prohibit him from telling you that. Can you prove it? I'm not saying that he has this or not. I'm just saying that this is a prime example. Can you prove it? That would rely on classified intelligence, whether it be a physical manifestation of an off-world vehicle or a document or a photograph or whatever. And when he says, I don't want to talk about it anymore and doesn't comment on it, that is exactly what you should expect from somebody who has a clearance uh, simply because if he does hold that, that, that uh, classified intel, he can't spill the beans. And that juxtaposition with dr davis is two different things because mm -hmm. if he's if he goes on the record and he might I, you can correct me if i'm wrong i personally have not spoken to him about this uh specific issue i try and respect his time uh he has been very very gracious to me on both uh the telephone and through email and all things considered that that goes very very far in my book uh given the circumstances because i have been very critical um not quite as mean as some people make me out to be, uh, but very critical, which I fully admit to, and he has been nothing but gracious. So I don't like bombard him with questions every single day, which I'd love to do, but, uh, but do not. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but he's never gone on the record with a direct quote saying these are off-world vehicles. When he was questioned on Tucker Carlson and dropped that bombshell about wreckage, uh, Tucker pushed him and then he kind of backed off again kind of leaning towards, hey, if he did have classified intel, he wouldn't be able to talk about it. So I'll pose the question to you. Has that now transpired? Because in that New York Times article, I don't recall any direct quote from him saying, yes, I believe that that these are absolutely off-world vehicles, like uh, Dr. Davis said. Rather, it was just kind of surmised in the writing. So has he so changed... You it has actually, and I think this is important. People don't get this nuance. I think you'll appreciate it. And I'm sure there, I know there are others who do, but, uh, you know, I jumped on the issue that they were paraphrasing Reed and they were paraphrasing Luis Elizondo, which is problematic, very problematic. Obviously that's played out in public. There are problems with Reed along those lines. Uh, as far as Elizondo, I did contact Leslie and ask, you know, you didn't use a quote. Are you sure? Are you refer if you're referring to the Fox News interview he did with Tucker Carlson, then, uh, you know, he said he believed there were UFO materials. And we know his definition of UFO is unidentified or mm -hmm. anomalous, certainly not 
alien. So uh, then uh, she said, well, he, he was okay with the story. So I contacted him and said, well, the way this reads is you're going on the record that there are UFO crashes, uh, which is much different. And he says he, he will stand by the, the way that the, the verbiage in the story. So essentially, hmm. for the first time, he's kind of, you know, invoking uh, this term UFO crashes, or at least agreeing with that potential, um, which is a first and which is very interesting. Um, I mean, I'd love, to see, I'd love to see the way that he would uh, term it, you know, if, if he goes to the off-world vehicle way of referring to this. That's that's news in the sense that that is kind of a, a change in how he's handled the topic. UFO wreckage, if he says it that way, uh, that kind of leans back towards the Tucker Carlson. So I wouldn't say it's as revelatory, but I think it, it is an important distinction. So I'm not sure if, if you're writing anything on it or nudge, nudge, hint, hint. Uh, def I hope you definitely do it because I'd love to see his uh, his on the record response to uh, mm -hmm. to that. Um, and, and, and again, I, I think that then it would get, give a little bit of credibility to what Dr. Davis is claiming, but I would still be skeptical on that. Okay. So then how are you guys able to talk about the fact that there is proof that there is off world vehicle technology that has been captured? That mm -hmm. would be my first question. Second question is define off world vehicle. You know, mm -hmm. other than the plain English right. version, uh, is there another, is there another definition that I'm not aware of? Mm -hmm. that maybe that the secret nazi base on the dark side of the moon or something like that yeah that's where that would be but that's uh, next week in the new york times <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um but you know i was leading up to with my earlier line of questioning along with chris uh, the lines of chris mellon is i personally feel he's the loudest voice in the room that has not lent a voice to any of this at all just by being his lack of having any input. He is, I think it's very telling um, and an important fact that he hasn't been in this conversation with these last two New York Times articles. Um, who knows what he feels or believes in all of this. I did ask him what he felt about UFO crashes and he said it would be possible, um, but that's all he said. Uh, and other people point to, there is an article by Bryce on Roswell that he posted on his website, uh, which is also very interesting because Bryce Sable's argument was essentially there are crashes, government knows it, and uh, it's well written. I would argue the there is no evidence for that. There's potentially, but um, there's so, but it's very telling has not joined this conversation and he told me, and I really want to hear your thoughts on this, that the evidence that they're they're now getting out there, such as on an unidentified, is to help you know support and and buttress the uh, argument that when these UAP reports are requested of the intelligence agencies, they better come up with something because they're documenting they're documenting through the television show and elsewhere that there's stuff in there. And I don't think there's anybody who's documented this better than you over the years, finding all of these official government documents on UFO cases, often you being told, no, we don't have anything, even though you've got it right there in your right. hand. Um, so the question begs, at least for me, considering all that, is this more of signaling along those lines? Is this kind of the faction inside of a tip slash to the stars who believe there are crash retrievals 
uh, programs that have happened kind of saying, hey, by the way, you know, military intelligence agencies, when you uh, get your reports out, don't forget the UFO crash reports. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be honest with you and say I have no idea how all of that is is going to play out. I really don't. I mean, I'm I'm very, very surprised to see the request for a unclassified report. Uh, obviously, they have room for a classified annex uh, as well. But I mean, the, the, the fact that it's a public unclassified report, as long as everything goes through uh, and that's actually done, that's huge. And I have no idea what route they're, they're going to take with this. My, my UFO hat and, and an advocate for a UFO cover-up here, or not an advocate for, I should say that the, uh, that there is a UFO cover-up, uh, not that I advocate for the cover-up, um, but as an advocate that there is a cover-up going on, I'm skeptical that that kind of stuff would end up in an unclassified report. So I think a lot of that uh, UFO crash retrieval or crash recovery information is going to end up in a classified annex, not going to be available to the public. And then you can fill in the blank with, well, is it alien technology? Is it Russian technology, Chinese, or all of the above? We, and that's where we just have no idea. So um, long-winded way of saying, I wish I could answer your question, but I just, I, I, I have no idea how this is going to play out. And, and that's where, again, that passion on my end comes in where you have to point out these mistakes and you have to make sure the public understands the context and reality of what this is truly all about, because that will then pave the way for that information to come out and to be scientifically scrutinized. Um, my biggest fear, it's going to be like 1966 all over again when Gerald Ford got involved uh, and started pushing for you know UFO uh, information to be uh, researched and so on and so forth. And then that led the way to the Condon committee. And, and, uh, and that's how that all kind of came to be where then it just was done by a university. They did the, the, did this big report. They kind of debunked the whole thing. They said, there's nothing to UFOs and they moved on. I'm not saying that that would play out the same exact way. Uh, but I would say that that, that would be a fear of mine that they kind of offset this to a, you know, again, a contractor, a RAND study or something like that. And, and we get a report that's kind of interesting and conclusive, uh, but at the end of the day, we don't really gather anything. So I truly do hope it is done by the intelligence community, not outsourced. I truly hope it's unclassified. Truly hope that UFO crash stuff is in there. I just have my doubts that it will be. And that's why I asked the question, because actually it was a great answer in that, you know, it's kind of tempering people's expectations. Um, because even if these people do believe there is a crash program, and even if there is one, uh, I think the odds, like you said, of it coming out are pretty low. It doesn't mean that we're going to find anything out about that. Mm -hmm. And we may be left with just these guys are convinced that that is the case. I kind of feel like perhaps it would have, I just don't understand the strategy. I don't understand why these people would come out and talk about this and jeopardize, you know, just like you started with earlier, jeopardize this, this, uh, you know, at these reports that, hopefully seem to be coming in the near future uh, with this sort of thing. Whereas, you know, someone like Nick Pope, for instance, he knew more about what government documents the UK have being working in the kind of the Elizondo mm -hmm. of the UK. Um, but when the UK were re releasing all of their documents, he waited until they released all the documents before he came back and said, Hey, I think there's a few you forgot, mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, and that I think was a wiser strategy than trying to be up front. It might've been wiser to wait and say, well, you know, we're a bunch of guys who were in the know and we think that you have missed some stuff. Mm -hmm. We like to, you know, come up with the goods here. It seems like that would have been a better strategy, assuming their strategy involved. And there, I think there is Elizondo, you know, lending his voice or anybody lending his voice to the New York times article of this sort um, is kind of strategizing that, Hey, I want to be involved with this. And mm -hmm. I don't know that that's, that's the best idea at this point. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what the right answer for anyone involved is, uh, but I, I do know that that we've mentioned the Wilson documents and stuff like that. I, I did ask for on the record comments from Leslie and, and Ralph about um, about were they going to go down that route? Did they find out that it was you know fake or 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 what what was going on? And they wouldn't comment on that. Meaning they they they're. That's the safe answer because if some you know amazing information comes across their desk or if they're working on something you know that's fine, um, but I I worry about those types of stories that may come out that try to lend credence to something that really is unsubstantiated at the highest level. It could very well have taken place. Davis could have sat in that car with Admiral Wilson, and Admiral Wilson is lying. But in this age right now in 2020. Uh, I, I just don't think that those are the stories that we need, uh, nor do I think that they they should be highlighted. Um, and I'll quickly defend, not to switch gears, I want to quickly defend uh, Ralph and Leslie to have to, to be the brunt of an online movement uh, to pressure them to publish whatever it was that they were going to publish. Uh, I've worked with a lot of journalists in the last uh, two decades on various stories, UFO related and non. And, and I know you just don't go around like babbling about, Hey, so-and-so is working on this story. Alejandro is going to publish it. I swear it's going to be world changing. The amount of pressure on you, you know, is, is an astronomical and, and that's just was not fair. So I want to. I want to at least. I don't know how much more time you want to take. You got me for as long as you want, but uh, I just want to at least end with. Even though I was harping on them a lot, uh, sadly they should not have gotten the brunt of that that little movement that gained traction, uh, and even people going on radio shows and podcasts saying they're they're this is world changing stuff. They're going to change the world. That's just not fair. Um, that doesn't excuse the mistakes. So I, I do consider them two different issues. But man, that shouldn't have happened. I mean, that was that was so ludicrous of them to do it. So, I, I, I yeah. you know, I, I hope that that does not happen again. Even if they are working on a story about Wilson Davis notes or MJ twelve or whatever, I doubt it. I doubt you'll ever see those two topics in uh, the New York Times. Uh, but regardless, they didn't deserve that at all. Well, and like I say, it's unfortunate. And I know it was Blumenthal, of course, who accidentally had, you know, his conversation that he didn't intend to go public, go public, that kind of got this all rolling. Um, and he was, you know, talking about an investigation of the Wilson documents. Um, but like I said, you know, this, uh, the UFO field and these people that get excited about this stuff, it's kind of like a force of nature. It's yeah. going to happen. And there's no stopping it. Yeah. Um, you and I know that very well. Uh, so it is unfortunate, but uh, that's why people have to be really careful with the, their information. And, you know, it, it's kind of sad, but to say, but, um, you know, um, there are a lot of people who are hot on this topic. 
because it, it hasn't been an official, you know, or the official arena with lots of officials coming out and talking about what they actually know or what's going on. There are a lot of very unprofessional people doing this sort of thing and unfortunately acting unprofessionally. And these are the results. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we get bashed by these people and just me saying this, we're going to get all kinds of input. My, my appearance is going to get you a load of mud yeah. on your way. That um, too. Yeah. Here's a question which is though. The, which and, is unfortunate, truly yeah. unfortunate. We should have, be able to have these conversations where, Again, you and I don't don't agree on all fronts, and I acknowledge that, and you acknowledge it, and yeah, it it got a little um, dicey there, and and I think we we both realized hey, that's not the way that this should be, and I hope that that mm -hmm. serves as an example, you know, to other people that you can have these yeah. conversations and not not sling mud, you know. <laughs> well, what's funny too is I think when a lot of people started getting involved with this topic. You, they saw you and I as kind of these kind of polar opposite to opposing sides. Yeah. And now they must really be, you know, uh, I can only imagine what they think now that we're working together on yeah. uh, again. But, you know, of course, but, we have we a very long history of working together. Yeah, yeah. And and really quick, like joking aside, it it it's bizarre because on certain things, you and I are polar opposites. On other things, we're, we're very much aligned. That that's what rational thinking is for people. It's not that you're right or I'm right or or whomever is wrong. It's about we both have a a um, direction that we're going, trying to figure out whatever the truth is, and and we can come up with different conclusions based on the evidence that speaks or doesn't speak to us. That's what this field is about. But sadly, it's a gray area because again, it just leads towards who's right, who's wrong. And sadly with UFOs, it's never like that. You know, you have this gray area where you just don't have that information yet. But I think that that's where you and I align is that we shouldn't be afraid to say, hey, there is no evidence for this or, hey, there is enough evidence to conclude this yet and put that information out there and let and let others decide. But it's it's really bizarre. I deal with a ton of government secrets on on the black vault and, and uh, obviously had had new news coverage on various topics through documents that I've come out with. The UFO thing has always been the most bizarre thing to essentially cover and talk about because it is such a gray area and, and there's such a divide in belief systems to where I think that going back to what you said, where you and I polar opposites over here, but a line over here, that that's going to confuse a lot of people because you're either with us or against us, according to some people. So you either have to believe exactly what I do, or you're the antichrist uh, to where, you know, us, we're like, yeah, we've been around for 20 years and had a little rough patch, but whatever, you know, we still have the same drive to get to the truth. And, and I think that that's what the UFO community, if you want to call it, that is lacking this day and age where, this has created a divide and there, there shouldn't be. And if, if you come out with an evidence or document or I do, or Tim McMillan does or, or whomever, we should be able to like sit down and round table, you know, and, and discuss it. And if we both come up with different conclusions, for example, the DD form 1910, I know we don't align on that, but I'm not going to like sit here and virtually choke you to make you believe what I want you to believe. Um, you know, it's not about that anymore. Uh, maybe I did in a tweet try and virtually choke you. I'm, I don't remember all of them, but, uh, but this day and age, you know, yeah, this day and age, it's, it's not about that anymore. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, uh, it's just, just having the conversation, seeing where it's going, no matter what it's exciting times. Uh, we, we mm -hmm. all don't agree, but that's okay. Uh, we live in a really exciting time in this field.
since you said I could have more time, I'm going to take more time. Take um, it. No, and, that's good. And Tim McMillan and I talked a bit about this, and, and people in the chat has brought this up. Um, it's this possibility of essentially, you know, Tim and I went over SAPs, USAPs, uh, along with some comments that Chris Mellon had made uh, along those lines in a conversation with McMillan and some others. And uh, essentially, you know, Mellon's belief and Tim kind of supporting this, that there's a legal structure to how those sort of things work. And uh, there would be oversight. Uh, but interesting enough, Tyler Rogaway, a uh, writer with uh, The War Zone, popped in, the most mainstream of the group, uh, besides Mellon, at least the most mainstream journalist and closest to the defense. He said, well, he doesn't, you know, uh, believe that it's impossible to have had some sort of essentially illegal program or some sort of that's hidden in a way that is outside of the normal system. And Jeff Perry is asking, uh, he says, it seems to me that the TTSA folks are playing an edge game by attempting to out programs that are illegal or partially disingenuous. If a program turns out to be illegal, they won't prosecute their NDAs. So what he's suggesting is that perhaps there are some sort of rogue programs like that, that uh, perhaps uh, Mellon and those are trying to out. What do you think of that? You know, I would not try and match wits with Tyler or Tim on, you know, saps and defense stuff. Uh, I mean, I know my lane and, and those guys have done their work with what I've seen and looking into highly classified programs and so on and so forth. Even if this was alien tech, I personally don't think that it's illegal. I, 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 I wouldn't see that as being the case. Highly classified, absolutely. And that goes into my argument about the Davis not talking to the New York Times. Uh, but, but illegal, I, you know, I just don't see it, especially when you insert a government contractor like Bass that got the OSAP awarded contract. And uh, we didn't, I don't know if you want to talk about this. this, this will really drive people nuts if I go down the sweetheart deal. Oh, that sounds fun. Um, oh, yes, I see what fun. you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, but I mean, the with, with the with the OSAP and, and Bass thing, I mean, if, if anything, you know, when you start getting into illegal things, I truly think that if that is the case, they are going to keep that very, very close to the hip and not start outsourcing stuff like that or have an a, a offshoot program. Um, I, I just don't see that happening. It could very well be true. I, I just don't think they're trying to out classified programs. I think with the TTSA folks, I'm intrigued by the fact that they don't align in their views a hundred percent that I've seen, meaning some right. will go on the record a little bit more than others, or maybe uh, allude to something that someone else involved in that upper echelon will not. That to me is intriguing. Why not? You know, I mean, if they're all highly, uh, highly cleared and, and, uh, security clearances and so on, you'd think that they would pretty much align with their views and they don't. And, and that could not be anything malicious other than the evidence to support, you know, off-world vehicles isn't there, uh, but they have their opinions that, that potentially hidden in dark uh, secret caverns within the U S intelligence community that they have these, these uh, alien spaceships, you know, and then that, that's very possible. And I'm not knocking that or, 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 or trying to minimize that claim, that it's just possible that it's more of a belief rather than they saw the proof. So I, there, uh, hopefully I that answers your saying. question. It does. It does. It's, and, I, and it speaks to, I think, your point in that, you know, uh, 
Mr. Perry here is talking about the program being a level illegal if it's uh, without elected oversight. Uh, but, uh, you know, there were mentions of like executive orders and programs the president could start without the or oversight. And, mm -hmm. you know, the legality of these programs may be questionable in some ways, but uh, I think that, uh, that, for instance, Chris Mellon would probably not be involved with an illegal program. It may be something that is compartmentalized or classified in a way that's different than other programs uh, and unique because of the nature of it. But it doesn't necessarily mean it, it's illegal, even if as citizens we feel it may be. But my next question to you is, shouldn't Chris Mellon not being involved with this conversation be a bigger deal? I mean, shouldn't that even be mentioned that uh, we asked Chris Mellon for his opinion and he has not answered? I mean, this is a guy who is Secretary of Defense for in, uh, or the assistant sec deputy assistant secretary of defense for intelligence. He was a staff director on the SSCI. He's very visible. Um, the second episode of unidentified, he pretty much hosted and was about mm -hmm. his search into triangular UFOs. So it's not like this guy isn't out there, um, but he's nowhere to be found on this topic. And that seems to me to be a pretty big deal. I wouldn't call it a big deal. I would I would say that it's interesting and should he be involved? It's what it comes down to what is he comfortable talking about, right? And this goes goes back to uh, my concern that uh, the movement to get this language into the bill and, and get the Senate report uh, being done, the unclassified with a classified annex report and so on and so forth, that to me is a completely different conversation than talking about UFO wreckage and, and off-world vehicles. And, and that's where I feel that there should be a separation between that, that, that movement to get that report and, and truly get into what the intelligence community knows versus the speculative, they've got off-world vehicles. And, and uh, we won't go through the same argument again, but um, where I would you know, reference that uh, a comparison is one would be highly classified. Uh, so I don't believe that Dr. Davis would be able to talk about it. Therefore, I don't believe that there is that hardcore proof that he's touting, which may very well play in a role for Mr. Mellon to stay quiet, that he knows that this is more of an opinion and conjecture versus a verifiable fact with government inventory of off-world vehicles. I don't know if that's the case, but I'm saying that sure makes sense that he would actually know or be in a position to make some phone calls and kind of find out on whether or not there, there is that information. Um, Cause he does strike me as someone that if it was unclassified, he was able to talk about it. He likely would, like you said, he was in the forefront of that episode researching black triangles and, and so on. So he's not afraid of the limelight, but I, I think that there is a line that he probably would not cross. And I support him on that. I, I think that he wants to stay grounded uh, in my opinion, anyway, uh, wants to stay grounded. And that's what his vision is. You know, if he starts touting the government's got UFO record uh, wreckage and, and off-world vehicles and he goes down that alien route, that could be potentially problematic for someone like Senator Rubio, who's going to have to field those questions. Hey, so you're working with the guy who says there's alien pieces. Do you support that, Senator? You know, and, and that's where I think that you have to separate these two conversations. Dr. Davis probably doesn't care. 
someone like Christopher Mellon absolutely cares. And, and uh, Luis Elizondo, where I'm surprised if he starts going on the record saying off-world vehicles, I'm surprised that, that he would, that he would go there. And um, I look forward to that, that conversation, um, whether with him directly or, or just him in the, in the public sphere talking about it. Uh, but it seems like he has separated himself from that, at least up until now. But if he's starting to go that, that off-world vehicle route, I'm, I'm interested to see what he has to say. Yeah, it should be interesting. I'm supposedly getting an interview with him soon. So hopefully I'll be able to kind of, uh, no doubt, even if I don't ask those questions, people in the chat will. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens with that. I sus- I was going to say what I suspect, but these days I have no idea um, <laughs> that these alleged officials would go on the record saying that they are convinced that uh, there's a crash retrieval program that the New York Times would post something this big based off of opinions and and you know hearsay and and you know misquoting and paraphrasing uh i don't know what the heck's going on with this world anymore to be honest i'm waiting for the zombies alejandro it's 2020 (laughs) so i have been preparing my whole life for zombies and hey look 2020's thrown everything else at us so why not zombies as well I just remembered one more topic I wanted to bring up with you, mm-hmm. and that is a topic which I think we have to take seriously personally, and that is the topic of disinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you and I have talked about this before in the past, and certainly, you know, we've both gotten into this Richard Doty Benowitz situation, which I brought up earlier, which allegedly this Richard Doty, uh, a Fossey Office of Special Intelligence agent, claims he was tasked to do this disinformation against this UFO person of which much of what he released uh, has been kind of the bedrock of, of UFO mythology for quite some time, including the MJ 12 stuff. But um, you know, you were being uh, you were kind of a, I would say the DOD was very friendly replying to you quite a bit and giving you a lot of information and uh, that's what makes you really important to this story, too, in that, you know, you were a conduit for a lot of information coming out um, that and they were not necessarily that accurate for. I mean, for God's sakes, they're now saying there's a UAP task force, a uh, mm-hmm. multi-agency um, when they were denying, you know, that Lou Elizondo tape had anything to do with UAP. So uh, and of course, probably one of the point you might make is we don't necessarily have a clear tie-in between that task force and ATIP, at least on paper. Um, Is that a possibility? Do you think we need to reflect on, could the government have actively participated in disinformation? Could a private entity, perhaps like a Lockheed Martin, you know, participate in that sort of thing to kind of throw people off, uh, you know, is that a possibility or is that out there? What, you know, when I look back at, at all of my conversations, I, I think that this was truly indicative of how unorganized the government is uh, dealing with them for decades and FOIA offices and officers. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've received a letter five years after I submitted a request stating that they had, uh, just didn't handle it. And they're like, hey, if you st- are you still interested? My point with that is that there's a lot of uh, disorganization. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to reporting on on this, and the New York Times and Politico were hounding the Pentagon for comment, they 
they, it just seemingly like they, they just weren't on the same page internally. Is that disinformation or disorganization? And I would argue the latter, just mm -hmm. because that is what we have seen time and time again, not only from the Pentagon, but pretty much every government agency that's out there when it comes from uh, comes to, to being disorganized. When, when they started moving towards, and, and for the record, yes, I did get responses early on, uh, but now I am like not on the Christmas list anymore. Like they do not respond to me. I have questions going back just to give you, you and your viewers an idea going back like nine or 10 months that they still claim they're working on, namely Susan uh, Go, who now is the point person. And that leads into my point that before I talked to Joseph Gratisher at the Navy and when I, you know, broke the story about the UAP uh, designation on the videos and um, quite a few other comments. So I was able to talk to different agencies and different people. DIA was included on that uh, when they actually came out with the name. And we can talk about that if you want it. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, but where that discrepancy with the name was. And um, so I was able to talk about it. But then all of a sudden, like in the last year, they kind of funneled everything into one person. So if you talk about OSAP, ATIP with the DIA, or ATIP with OSD, or Navy UAPs, or whatever, if it involves this topic, goes to one person sitting inside the Pentagon. And that allowed them to essentially get organized a little bit. If there is any disinformation going on, I believe then that's when it probably started. Early on, where you had so many different people that were giving responses and statements, and there was no coordination, uh, that's when I think that there was a little bit more disorganization and, and where mistakes could happen. Fast forward to then there's only one person to deal with. Not only is that a nightmare, it gives them 100% control. And, and scratch that, gives her 100% control of the information that goes out. I don't want to speak ill about her. I'm sure she coordinates with other people, but it's really frustrating to have that happen. So disinformation campaign, I don't believe that. I think it was more disorganization. Now I think that they just want to make it go away. I, I you know, who, who makes you wait nine, 10 months for a statement? It's not like I'm asking them about something nobody cares about. I mean, these are like world grabbing headlines that, 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 you know, get, um, kind of what I call copy and paste journalism that they just get, you know, rehashed over and over and over to news agency to news agency, all going back to those, you know, first couple of articles. And so, um, so they want all that to like, just go away. I think that that's, that's what they want. So not disinformation, but I think that they definitely want to just squash this and make us stop asking questions. I still follow up like every week or two. So I'm sure she hates me, but you know, I want my answers. I, and I think that the public right. deserves them. Yeah, luckily you're, you're getting some. I have actually had one uh, fulfilled, and that was the emails regarding the DD-1910. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the only thing I think I've gotten from them. Um, and I have some outstanding questions, which I think will be pretty significant if I get some answers, which hopefully we'll see what happens. But Yeah, um, and, and just to give you a quick mm -hmm. idea, like I've been pushing them to amend their statements on uh, Luis Elizondo. And, and I uh, was, he was very gracious with me. I've already pointed that out, but to do the interview with me uh, addressing those kind of uncomfortable points. Cause I did not expect the Pentagon to say, no, he played no role in this. I didn't first get that statement, but when it was published, uh, I was surprised and, and uh, sadly, because I actually do regret this, giving a quote to the intercept when that first came out. But I had contacted the Pentagon to confirm. I'm like, 
there's no way this is real. Uh, and sure enough, they confirmed it uh, for me. And I that went down a route I didn't expect. Uh, but to my surprise, uh, Luis Elizondo, you know, he, he stuck with it. He didn't go anywhere. I, I, in the back of my head, I figured, you know what, this is it. You know, I mean, the guy's outed. He, the pen, the weight of the Pentagon was put behind that and he didn't. Right. And he sat down with me, a huge critic and, and gave me an interview. And, and again, mm -hmm. that, that went, um, miles with me. So I published him unedited and then went back to the Pentagon. And I said, okay, look, you guys are making a damning statement, but not citing your sources at all. This man who doesn't deserve this, if you guys are taking a shot at him and he doesn't earn, you know, he hasn't earned that, uh, either have to justify what you're saying or uh, let's change, let's fix this, you know, because that's not right. And, uh, and I have followed up countless times over the last, however many, I think it's at least nine months uh, since, since that. And they, they, <laughs> you're looking at my response. I haven't gotten any. Um, right. but I'm eager to, to, to get them to, if they're going to amend it, amend it. If not, then start naming names, uh, because this mm -hmm. isn't fair to Luis Elizondo who devoted, uh, the amount of years that he did to that agency. Uh, if they're just taking a shot because it's disinformation or because they don't care or they're careless or disorganized, fill in the blank. doesn't matter. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve that. And mm -hmm. so that's why I backed way off on my critique. Cause that went down a route. I, I didn't care to go down. I, I mean, I was interested in UFOs and ATIP. I wasn't interested in bashing someone's uh, name. And I know that that some of your audience will disagree with me uh, on that. Um, but if I can just add in one point that what I had done uh, behind the scenes with uh, Luis Elizondo when I got in contact with him uh, was apologize. And what I had apologized for was how a lot of the questions that I was asking uh, maybe were framed a little bit uh, highly critical. And I admit that but rather a lot of things got misconstrued and I know that it got back to him in, in more of a twisted way. So I had uh, apologized to him and I want your audience to know that, that I had never meant disrespect and, uh, and said, before I ask you any questions, I'm paraphrasing, but what I had said was before I ask you anything, because he was gracious enough to take questions. If he had any clarification points for me on what my objective or motive was, I was happy to do that. So I'm not going to, you know, start talking about private conversations, but I hope that that's where we, we saw that, that common ground where he understood. And then that's when I backed way off and said, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't, this isn't my fight. I, I'm interested to get them to amend those statements. But other than that, I, I I'm just looking for, I'm just looking for UFOs, Alejandro. I'm not out to like, you know, target a, a former serviceman or, or, or woman for that matter. So, um, I was going to get into some of the our background there, but uh, we can maybe save that for another time because it You're is funny how to, things. I, I told you nothing is off limits, so I it yeah. Does not no, I was just gonna okay. If you're pushing me, it's just no, a funny story. I was gonna spill some tea. Is that uh, it is kind of funny that I do like to be transparent because I do see that you know I'm putting myself open to. Uh, there's been believe it or not, John. There's been people who have. Uh, criticized me for being biased for being too close to some of these individuals surprising but <laughs> yeah but uh you know for the longest time and this is something you didn't know that even when we were at odds i was trying to get lou to talk to you because uh i've always had great faith in your abilities and uh you, your work but uh at that time when he talked to you I actually was uh, at the point where I was like, I don't think you should talk to John. I don't think that's a good idea. But I'm really glad 
that I was wrong and that conversation went so well between you guys. Um, I appreciate it. And, and I, I, I do feel it went well in, in the sense that uh, I can't stress enough how gracious. I mean, if somebody was that, you know, critical of me coming out and telling stories, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't give him the time of day. Uh, so when he responded that first time, I was floored. And then being so gracious, I was floored uh, just because yeah. I, I won't say it on your show, but I, I, I pro if I were him, I probably would have said something else. And, and, <laughs> um, and, and, but I mean, I think that that's where we found that common ground. Cause I was able to say, I get it. Uh, and if I was too aggressive or, or uh, too much of a critic, that's where I apologized. And, and I genuinely meant that. Uh, but sadly things, as you know, in Twitter sphere and, and social media and stuff, uh, just got very much misconstrued. And even between you and I, where it just got misconstrued and then, you know, we just kind of went at each other and, um, and that causes more problems. And th that's where I think that I realized this is ridiculous. You know, let's just talk face to face. That's when I reached out to you however long ago and said, let's, let's chat. You know, I mean, I, I made my mistakes and, and apologize to you as well. And, um, well, the real, real reason I wanted to make things better with us is I moved to California and mm -hmm. I figured if things got physical, I kind of have this bad back. I wasn't sure <laughs> if I could take, I figured I better smooth things over. Yeah. We well, run into each other on the street. I figured you'd run me over actually yeah, before <laughs> we'd run into each other. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I'm glad. I mean, once the zombies go away, we'll have to, uh, yeah. to get a beer and catch up. So my last question, and I'm spitballing highly speculative, but mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, it's something worth, considering and i think a picture could be painted that perhaps this one man eric davis got uh you know was fed bad information for whatever reason from people and he's ran with it and believes it and he's kind of convinced others in his little circle uh especially with to the stars he's been involved with bigelow since the beginning of uh, robert bigelow who you know owned and ran Bigelow Aerospace, who was a contractor for ATIP and OSAP, or OSAP more accurately, I suppose. Um, and he's been with the, you know, NIDS, the National Institute of Discovery Sciences, which was Bigelow's kind of precursor to uh, Bass since I think the 90s. He, yeah, he told me the 90s he got involved. So he's been with this group for a long time. Um, could it be that this guy was given bad information? He was convinced of it and he spread that and he's kind of convinced others of, of the information he's gotten. That is certainly at least uh, on, from our view, not uh, can't be substantiated at least with what we know, but uh, that it is purely bad. Could that be the possibility? Absolutely. It could be the possibility. I'll give a prime example. And, and I don't want it to come off as I'm picking on the guy, but you have to a little bit where Dr. Davis about two years ago, I looked it up um, uh, for um, totally unrelated to this interview, but I, I looked up the comment to make sure that I had not misremembered. And it was actually about my push, Paul Dean's push, and I believe Roger Glazel's push uh, for ATIP information. And in response, Dr. Davis had some very choice, very inappropriate things to say about people that don't live in, in America on this particular comment against Paul and uh, Roger. Now, that aside, I mean, that, that's just silliness, you know, uh, troll behavior, in my opinion. Sorry, but uh, it, that's silliness. But what he said in the heart of this comment was that classified information uh, cannot be reviewed for declassification until 25 years after it's created. That is 100% verifiably wrong. 
And I looked at the comments again, just to make sure. And he was disseminating to online public forums about people such as myself seeking information on ATIP that we would never find it, that we'll never get the information because classified information can't be released uh, before 25 years after its, its, its creation. And again, that was, that was wrong. What he's talking about is automatic declassification. And I won't bore you with the, with the long of it, but if nobody reviews it, things start getting either downgraded or declassified after 25 years. Uh, but that has nothing to do with the FOIA. I mean, I, I can show you reams of material that'll say declassify on. And it's always fun to see like 2040, you know, or 2050, uh, because that's when it would be automatically declassified. But I was able to get that information out. So my point is, is that either he is just maliciously spreading misinformation because that's not an opinion difference that can be proven that he was giving away false information or he has convinced himself of certain things being true that he, he does believe what he's saying, uh, but just doesn't have any proof or any firsthand knowledge. If he really does back the MJ 12 stuff, then he's misguided. I, I actually correct me here. I, I don't know firsthand if he's saying, yes, it's real. Has he gone on the record saying the MJ 12 thing is real? I don't know. I've yeah, not, I, I, I don't know yeah. that firsthand. I, you know, secondhand that allegedly yeah, okay. people are saying they've talked to him and he's, he said. So, yeah. So to be fair, since I can't cite it, I, I, I don't know hundred percent, but if he has gone down that route, I mean, that kind of stuff, if you take it for just what it is and you go, wow, this is really proof of something, you can convince yourself that it's real. We see it for those who use Twitter, that they just have started to believe everything that comes across their desk. They're like, MJ-12 is real. The Wilson Davis meeting took place. I believe Bob Lazar, but pay no attention that Dr. Davis said Lazar made up his whole cockamamie story. So what I call that is just a selective belief system. You selectively believe what you want. And putting that to Dr. Davis, it could absolutely be true with him as well, that maybe it's not malicious. Maybe he's just convinced himself of, um, hey, this is all true. So I'm going to try and get a meeting with a Senate staffer and, and, uh, and, and for the greater good of humanity, uh, make this all come out. That could very well be true. I don't believe that that's the top choice of my, uh, in my book, but um, but that's that's a possibility of what's going on. But but that comment that he wrote, and there are others as well that were easily disproven. Uh, it was there was a lack of understanding of how classified information works, and from somebody who says that he had a clearance for so many years, that was surprising to see in a public forum. Mm -hmm. Uh Great comment, Jeff, again. Uh, did you guys already talk about Chris Mellon's recent tweet in reference to the Wilson documents? Um, that is a really good point because I should have referenced that and I totally spaced it. But Chris Mellon did say this. He actually said what you and I have been saying, uh, honestly. He said uh, the tweet, originally tweet he was responding to is Chris, why not bring in this Wilson guy and ask him to spill the beans? Uh, Mellon's response was, the congressional oversight committees have that option, but I doubt they take this seriously enough to pursue. The author is not commenting, and the admiral, as promised in the memo, disavows it. So for now, it remains a case of he said, she said. Although the the... It's an interesting tweet. 
no doubt. Yeah, I uh, I'm surprised. I'm glad that you had it. I was frantically pulling up Twitter to try and know what you guys were referencing because uh, I had missed that. Uh, even though I do follow uh, Chris's stuff, I, I didn't see that. Um, but hearing it, I I'm a little surprised to be honest with you. Um, for me, I feel that if you're going to create a, a hoaxed document, it is such an easy thing to insert. If this comes out, I'll deny it kind of thing. You know, it adds a little bit of a hooby jooby effect that, uh, that the secret behind the door uh, or in the backseat of a car, wherever it took place, uh, took place. But if it ever comes out, I'll deny it. Uh, to me, it's just kind of a cop out line. You know, I, um, I, I, I don't put much weight into that. A lot of people do uh, kind of glom onto it as proof that, hey, look, Wilson said he'd deny it. So, of course, he's denying it. Um, little surprised that uh, Christopher Mellon said that, but maybe he knows something we don't. I know that he's talking about a subpoena, uh, that if they subpoenaed him to come in and, and uh, swear under oath that the, that the meeting did or did not take place and do that in a classified setting, which is fine. Um, but he's probably right. They would never go that far just simply because to challenge an admiral, to challenge a former J2 like that, uh, you're, you're, you're really starting to play ball on a level that you either have to have some proof or you got to give the man the respect that he deserves and let him just say, look, this is fiction. This is not, you know, this is not legitimate. There's, there's a lot of things in those notes that don't make sense. Um, and, uh, him obviously denying it is, is part of the puzzle here. Somebody wants to take this, the, the stance and, and subpoena him and bring him in, in a, a classified setting and make him testify all the more power to you. But I would hope that they would have some kind of evidence to go along with that subpoena. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think he's saying three really important things here that I, I can tell, and it sounds like you're agreeing on a couple of these and I want to see what you think of, of the other. But he's saying a couple things here, and I think the one you were picking up on uh, that the author is not commenting and the admiral, as promised in the memo, it, which is kind of making it seem as though he uh, at least is open to the possibility that the conversation is true, that the admiral did say these things about trying to find this you know, UFO crash retrieval project. That's where I'm surprised that Christopher Mellon yeah. said that. That's the yeah. most surprising part. The other thing, though, that he's saying that I think is interesting is that um, he is pretty much saying here, I, but I doubt they take this seriously enough to pursue, which is sort of important as well in that some people are assuming that uh, Marco Rubio and the whole group have already been briefed on, on Wilson and that they, you know, they're aware of of all of this as well, which he's kind of implying is not the case that uh, he doubts that even if they are aware that they take it seriously. Well, th this is, this is that separating the conversations because on one hand you're talking about UFOs slash UAPs sightings by military pilots and maybe starting to get into some physical evidence, but I, I doubt that um, in that conversation, that is, I don't doubt that something like that exists, but in that conversation, the second conversation you're talking about Roswell, MJ 12, uh, you know, secret meetings in, in, in a car in Las Vegas, a, you know, a J two being involved talking to Der uh, Dr. Eric Davis, which doesn't make sense at all at all. Uh, but then talking about these, you know, crash re recovery programs, there's even um, a reference to bodies in this document. Those are two wildly different 
conversations. So we're trying in this conversation over here to just get the Senate to take things seriously enough to look at those pilot sightings and to look at those videos. And what else is there? You know, Mr. Elizondo told me there's there's more videos. I'm sure he's told you the same thing. Uh, so So what more information that has not come out, let's look at that again in a classified setting or not. Meanwhile, this other conversation is being forced down people's throats about bodies and MJ-12 and all that other stuff. And that's where I think uh, 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 Chris recognize, Christopher Mellon recognizes that nobody is going to just go leap beyond this conversation, go all the way over here and go, there's bodies, not only wreckage, but there's bodies. We have bodies. I don't think that they're going to make that leap yet. Maybe there is. I, I Again, I'm not saying there isn't, but that is too much of a leap. And I think Christopher Mellon recognizes that. Um, I don't, uh, I, I know I keep saying this. I don't speak for him, but in my opinion, I would say what his mindset is, is he just doesn't care if it's real or not, because they'll never be able to find out the truth. That That's how I read that, where they just can't, that they'll never have the evidence and nobody on a Senate level would subpoena Admiral Wilson at this point and bring him in. The seriousness isn't there. So I would say that in Chris Mellon's mind, the way I read that, he has put it out of his mind. May or may not be real. Doesn't matter. We'll never figure it out. And he's not wasting his time. And I can, I can respect that. Uh, as much as I think it's a hoax, I can respect him just not even bothering with it. Hoax or not, who cares? We'll never figure it out. And, and I respect that. Right, which I think is the third point, and I totally agree with you, which is another point that, you know, I think that uh, that I've been talking about, or at least, which is, uh, you know, this isn't the big smoking gun, the most important document ever to be written in the whole world or any of this, uh, because of that sentiment that you just addressed, which is, you know, addressed by him. So for now, it remains a case of he said, she said, it's it's unsolvable for now where as it stands um there's nothing you can do with any of it which is kind you're of right. just what you're referring to yeah and and to play with that hypothetical just a little bit more this conversation i keep referencing over here that more nuts and bolts talk to the military pilots acknowledge uaps are a problem and they're real and so on once you start having that conversation the comfort level to start moving that conversation towards some of those more serious things will take place. Whether that's in a couple months, five years, my son will figure it out and, and you know write me a message on my grave one day, who knows how long that will take. But that is that natural progression. And that's what I've always supported TTSA on is that they want that conversation to take place because where it goes thereafter is where people like you and I want it to go. Whether or not it goes down the MJ-12 and bodies route, I have no idea. But that's where then people will take it seriously enough to give Admiral Wilson a call and go, okay, look, you've denied this back in 2020 when the zombies came, but now it's a little bit different. This conversation is more out in the open. The government is acknowledging it, so on and so forth. So do you want to maybe come on in and testify uh, at a hearing? And then he might you know, do that under oath. And that's that progression of the conversation. So Again, playing with that hypothetical, I, I think that that absolutely could be his mindset, that you have to establish this conversation first before you move forward and then start dealing with some of that more fringe belief. But who knows? Maybe they could absolutely be true. Right. Agreed. And I'm going to make this my last question because we've definitely gone quite a ways. And uh, But here's the last question. Let's say 
we're wrong. I know it's a big leap I'm never, to I'm never try wrong, to imagine. Alejandro, never. Well, that's what I was going to say. It, it's hard <laughs> enough for my listeners to ever think that I could be wrong, but both of never us wrong. being wrong. That's, I know it's a whole ask. But 2020, stranger things have happened. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Let's say we're both wrong. And, you know, right around the corner is the next New York Times article where they're able to shove it in our face and prove everything that they've been alluding to in these last couple articles about crashed UFOs. And they say, you know, they've got someone coming forward. Uh, you know, Admiral Wilson comes forward and says, you know what? I've been thinking about it and I got to tell the truth. MJ-12 alien bodies, Roswell, all true. I can prove it. Here's five guys backing me up. Even alluding to that possibility being real seems to be uh, the cultural and societal ramifications of a revelation like that. Even alluding to the possibility that things, things could be real at an official level seems that there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. That uh, this sort of revelation is uh, could be have a substantial effect on, on our culture. I 100% agree. And I believe that this plays into the national security threat, not only, and people hate the, the T word, um, but I 100% align with the, the threat potential behind what UAPs are, but arguably even more so than the threat of what um, UAPs may pose is that impact on society. We as a society cannot even wear masks during a pandemic and agree. Do you think that we would really start accepting the reality that UFOs and alien technology has crashed here? There's alien bodies and everything we've heard in the last 70 years, you know, being uh, a part of, of pop culture and conspiracy theory is all true. I believe that in itself is a national security threat. Um, I said this a couple of years ago, and I was surprised at the flack that I got. I appeared with uh, George Norrie on his uh, uh, television series for Gaia, and he, we were kind of talking about something related to this. And I, and I said, I believe that the true national security threat uh, behind all of this is the reality that the United States government and military has no idea what it is or how to handle it or how to combat it or how to deal with it. That in itself when you were to, to tell your society, uh, talking about here in America, that the number one military, the number one uh, economical structure, the, the number one country in the world, yes, I'm patriotic, but we're number one with everything, is no longer number one. And the reason why we're no longer number one is there is a potential threat above our heads that we can't do anything about. We don't understand it. We don't communicate with it. And we just don't know like what to do with it. That in itself is that national security risk. And I think that that's why th that progression to the next level of the conversation is going to have to do a lot more than just a New York Times article with a Dr. Eric Davis type quote alluding to off-world vehicles. You really have to sit down and have a very important conversation with religious leaders, uh, with local government leaders, because you look at what's going on in Portland right now. Again, that mask debate that is going on right now. Uh, the, the fact that, that people cannot even handle what is going on right now. The reality of aliens and off-world vehicles, as much flack as I might get for it, 
for saying this. The public isn't ready. We're just not. We're not unified. We don't uh, think rationally in a time of crisis. Uh, and I just, I, I, sadly, that's part of the national security threat. And as much as I want to be proven wrong, going back to your question and saying, what if the New York Times blows this thing hole wide open? I would love that. Nothing would excite me more than that. Truly. I just don't see it ever happening. Not only because I think that the evidence is lacking to go that way, but on top of that, the national security implications far outweigh the public good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to support your, your idea here, there was a uh, great article written by Alexander Wendt, um, who is a political scientist, uh, well-known um, he wrote, he actually did a talk or wrote an article on sovereignty in the UFO where he kind of, you know, makes this argument that really uh, the government has a lot to be concerned about if there were these sort of revelations because we would begin to question uh, our human sovereignty. Who do we answer to? Yeah. Um, and it could be caused the same sort of issues that you're talking about. And, the, and one of the reasons I think this is good to, to bring this up as we wrap up is that, you know, uh, you and I, I think you, you've expressed this and I do too. Uh, we have a great respect. I have the utmost respect for Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal and uh, what they've been doing. But this is a pretty heavy weight on their shoulders. And uh, this is why if you're going to start to make these claims, I think you've really got to bring your A game, if not your mm -hmm. A plus game. And so far, we've seen a lot of sloppiness and confusion, unfortunately, intentional or not. Um, and it could be not their fault at all. It could be have to do with editors at the New York Times, you know, really bungling things up and cutting things up. Um, who knows? I've certainly been part of that where editors just don't get it and they chop things up and your message yeah. gets lost. So who knows? Um, but uh, going forward, you know, um, I think, uh, yeah, this is pretty lofty. It's really as much as we make fun of it and it's made fun of in culture. Uh, it's, it's kind of a big deal. It's an absolutely big deal. And what they don't need, what, what, what journalists like Leslie and Leslie herself and Ralph and those journalists like Ralph, what they don't need is the conspiracy attached to what I'm seeing brew online. Again, as critical as I have been, and I feel that that the information needs to be respected more, so do the journalists as well. And these conspiracies that are thrown that the New York Times just wanted to you know, pull out that information. Senator Harry Reid, I checked his post. I don't know if you've done this or not. I wanted to see how people reacted to his like, hey, I never said this, but this is what I will mm, say. I didn't. Look at some of those comments. And people are combative with him. People you'll recognize. I won't name names, but you'll recognize some of them. The people that are advocating for this Wilson document and MJ12, oh, it's going to be in the, it's going to change the world. It's going to be a, the headline of the New York Times. Those are the ones that are attacking Harry Reid saying, you know that this isn't true, Reid. You know, you know that that's not accurate. Who got to you? Who this, who that? I'm critical of Reid. I, I am. But he does not deserve that nor has he earned that if he was misrepresented let's fess up to the mistake it was an accident it got corrected new york times said whoops and harry reed wanted to defend himself and i don't blame him this conspiracy stuff thrown at all of the above mentioned people doesn't need to happen and that again plays into what this topic deserves 
versus again what's what what it's getting online because that stuff gets traction because one comment turns into two which turns into four which turns into 50 because everybody just wants to jump on the bandwagon yeah let's get read he's he's totally compromised no he was misquoted or not misquoted but misrepresented so Let's just let it be. It's not a major conspiracy. The evidence isn't there. Let's move on. So I, I'll, I'll end it with another defense of, of the journalists and even those that are politically involved or just involved because they're a big name and they were involved in the past. Get the conspiracies out. Let's just go ahead and focus on the evidence. It's not about what we want to believe. It's about what we can prove. And that's what we should do moving forward. Mm -hmm. I agree 100% with you, Mr. John Greenwald. Ooh, you're going to get a lot of letters over saying that. <laughs> yeah, I am. And I'm prepared to take them because I'm going to get letters either way. So, you, you know, we can't avoid that. But uh, this has been awesome. This has been a pleasure. I could go on for hours more. Of course, you, you know, we could. But this has been great, very insightful. And uh, it's great to have you back on the show again. And I look forward to future shows that we do. And, of course, everybody check out theblackvault.com. I appreciate that, man. It really was a pleasure. I appreciate the intelligent conversation. Thank you. Thank you. So for everybody else, uh, thank you so much for joining. And I know the format's a little different. Now I'm going back to YouTube and I know I've kind of been flip-flopping on the different um, tools I've been using for the Rojas report, but I think I finally got it uh, finalized. If you have any input, please give it to me. Um, but, uh, there's just so many complications and fees and blah, 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 this and that. So I think we've got it down. Uh, I know it's a bit confusing and some of you might've missed this live thing, uh, who hope to join, but, uh, you know, we'll get this all worked out and, uh, thank you all who did join and ask some great questions until next time. Thank you all for joining. And I hope you all have a wonderful evening.